Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, great to see you tonight. Uh, as you know, we have been uh, doing some hot topics over the last, how many weeks has it been? I lost track. Anybody know? Third week? I don't know. You're asking me? For this session. Okay, yeah, for this session. That's good because I can't remember too far back. Uh, next week, we'll keep on going and we'll uh, we'll be tackling some other things that are on the announcement sheet there, as you can see. Uh, I've already gotten some people asking me some questions. If you want to submit a question, feel free. Next week is to drink or not to drink. That is the question. So what do you think? We'll find out. We're going to talk about that next week. And then uh, May 16th, be careful little eyes. We're going to talk about uh, pornography. And then the next week is... uh, after getting through COVID and all this kind of stuff, coming out of quarantine, how do we deal with loneliness and anxiety? I'm excited about tonight, though, and I'm going to introduce our special guest in just a minute. I just kind of want to share a few things to set the stage and to get you thinking. Tonight, we're going to be talking about um, abortion and the fact that uh, being pro-life is more than just being against abortion. There's a role for us as believers, there's a role for us as the church uh, to uh, things God wants us to do uh, in our declaration of being pro-life. So I know for some of you, you've told me that's a, you're a one-issue voter, and that's your biggie, and that's good. Um, and, uh, but there's a lot more to being pro-life than just that. So we're going to talk about that in just a little bit. I wanted to read you, though, a couple of emails that I saw. This is not to get your blood to boil, Okay, I'm going to tell you that up front, because I also want to tell you up front that these are from people who say they're Christians, and who would use uh, scripture that they would find to say that abortion is okay. So we as, as the church, as believers, we need to know the Bible, you guys. Every topic we've talked about when it comes to these hot topics goes back to we need to know what God's Word says. And we need to know it real clear. So let me just read a couple of these. I don't know that I'll read the whole thing because some of you, you, you I, I know you, your blood will start boiling a little bit. Uh, but this is a minister. And, and I want you to know, too, that not every denomination, unfortunately believes like I think we believe, our Baptist denomination and our church, uh, not every denomination, not every Christian denomination believes that. There, there are churches by, actually in Greenville County who don't believe that, and our guest will probably tell us a little bit about that in a minute. But anyway, here's the first letter. Uh, this lady is being interviewed uh, by somebody, and she finishes her last statement saying this, I believe every person I encounter, including myself, has the right to their body. When that bodily autonomy is taken away, to me, that is against Christian scripture and it's against the gospel I believe in. Now, if you were here this morning, we talked about the gospel and what the gospel really is. That's another word that sometimes people in the church throw around to sound weighty. You know, that's not the gospel to me. Well, the gospel is what the gospel is. The gospel is not... Your version of the gospel, another version of the gospel, what's the, what the gospel is. We talked about that this morning. So here's what the interviewer says to her. So what do you think is the Christian theological argument for abortion? 
And this is what this minister said. When people talk about our body is a temple of God and holy, I see that as I have the right to choices over my body and the freedom to make the decisions that are right for me. In Genesis, here we go. Everything we've talked about in Hot Topics, people are pulling scripture from somewhere, right? In Genesis, it says God breathes God's spirit into our lives. Christians, we would say that's the Holy Spirit. Because of that, we're not puppets controlled by God. We have freedom. That's what really is clear to me is freedom. There's this little passage in the Gospel of John. She goes on to say that Jesus says, I have come to have life and have it abundantly. Then she goes on to get a little... Greek, Greek scholar, she says the Greek word there is the word that's used for life, abundance, which means that you're not just living and breathing, but it's God's plan for our lives is to actually have a meaningful life with loving contentment and satisfaction. It's a slippery slope, isn't it? Is that why God made us for our satisfaction? Because of that, she says, I value life and I believe Jesus values life. I value the choices that give me the type of life I need. So that's from a Christian. Here's another one. Um, like many millennials, and I wish we had more millennials in here, because there's, there's a few of you maybe who fit that category. Uh, that age group and younger is where the culture is shifting. And some of it is not knowing this book well enough. But she says this, this is a different person. I, as a millennial coming out of evangelicalism, I started to care about different justice issues. I started to care about the earth, racial injustice, and interfaith injustice. And one of the topics that arose for me was abortion. So I began to question, what about bodily autonomy? It's a phrase you're hearing. Isn't this justice? How would God ever infringe upon that? So I'll just, just, I won't read any more of that, but one of the things that I have noticed in our culture that we who are older and aren't in the millennial bracket might want to think about is, and we have talked about this over the last few weeks, that we tend to put spotlights on certain things, and incorrectly so, because for millennials and younger, they tend to think we don't know all the other things that there are to think about, and it, and it skews their, their thought processes. Uh, in 2019, just a few years ago, a uh, person running for president of the United States, who was a mayor, I'll leave it at that, you know who I'm talking about, criticized Republicans for swaying religious people's minds with what he called the doctrine of abortion. He said he was a Christian. He said he had made several attempts to challenge the Christian church. And said that the church had an obligation to know why we believe what we believe. I agree with that. But he said he was pro-choice. And he said there were a lot of parts of the Bible, quote, that talk about how life begins with breath. And so even that it is something that people can interpret differently. So there's a few people just to throw some things out. People's opinions of one thing, but what's God's word have to say? That's what we have to look at. So I just want to share with you a few verses and then we'll introduce our special guest and we'll dig a little bit uh, deeper. A lot of these scriptures you know, and uh, you know on Sunday night we like to flip back and forth. So if you've got a Bible, you might want to grab it or your app and uh, open up to Psalm, Psalm 139, which is kind of the go-to Psalm 
for a lot of us when we talk about uh, the Creator and the unborn, preborn. Psalm 139, verses 13 through 16. Some of you might can even quote these uh, verses. I used to could. It's been a long day. I'll not try tonight because I'll probably mess up. Thou didst form me in my inward parts and weave me in my mother's womb. I'll give thanks to the Lord for I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are thy works and my soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from thee when I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the depths of the earth. Thine eyes have seen my uniform substance and in thy book they were all written. The days that were ordained for me when as yet there was not one of them. So the creator of the preborn, of course, is Christ. And there are a lot of other scriptures in forsake of time tonight. I want to give our guests adequate time. There are a lot of verses that you may know, but one of the verses that I kind of go to that I think is just overwhelming evidence is in the Gospel of Luke. So if you want to flip over to the Gospel of Luke, I'll just point this out quickly and then uh, introduce our guest to you tonight. Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, verse 39. And this, I think, paints a beautiful picture of our Savior in the womb of His mother Mary. And here's what the passage says. The time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she brought forth a son. Let's see, where am I? Verse 39. At the time, Mary arose and went with haste to the hill country, to a city of Judah, And she entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it came about when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she cried out with a loud voice and said, Blessed among women are you, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And how has it happened to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting... Reach my ears, the baby leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the Lord. So what's amazing to me, and one of the, I guess, most uh, interesting realities of this context of what's going on here, is the age of Jesus when he was in Mary's womb. Because biblical scholars say just a few verses before this exchange, an angel, remember, appeared to Mary and let her know that she's pregnant. And in this same narrative as we're reading, then she goes to visit Elizabeth and we see John leaping in his mother's womb as Mary approaches. So she may have been one week, maybe two weeks, and yet... John the Baptist, in Elizabeth's womb, jumps and recognizes that she is carrying another life, another child. There's a lot there. There's a lot there. So one or two weeks, give or take, into Mary's pregnancy, Jesus Christ was recognized with joy by another preborn baby. Elizabeth and her child were recognized, a preborn child, just a few weeks before uh, conception. And the presence of Jesus, we were there, filled Elizabeth with the Holy Spirit. So there are a lot of reasons we should value life. There are a lot of reasons we should be pro-life. But it's much more than that. Psalm 100 says this, Know that the Lord himself is God. It's he who made us and not we ourselves. 
We're his people and the sheep of his pasture. Galatians, Paul said it this way, But when he who had set me apart before I was born called me through his grace. So how can we as the church respond to all this craziness in our culture and not just say we're pro-life, we're pro-life, but live that out so we're effective at making a difference. That's what we're going to try to talk about a little bit tonight. And I'm not an expert in that field. So I wanted to bring an expert. Uh, I get the privilege, as some of you know, to share with uh, pregnancy centers around the country from time to time. And I guess over the last now 12 years, I've got to do that. And I have a huge heart for their work because they are in a culture where uh, you think, you know, our job as pastors is difficult, and it is. Their job is extremely difficult. Uh, violent, maybe even sometimes, because it's pushing against a cultural issue. So um, I want to introduce you to you. I've known her a while. She's a, I met her actually outside of Greenville at, at another pregnancy center. But um, uh, Kelly Ross is here tonight from Piedmont Women's Center. And I want her to come up, and we're just going to kind of have a Q&A and chat a little bit. And then I want her to share a little bit about her work with you all, because, again, she's on the front lines. I'll let you have the cushioned one and the one with the back. <laughs> and we'll share a little bit tonight. Thank you, number one, for coming grateful for you yeah so you know when jack eason calls the answer is yes uh, <laughs> i've been knowing uh jack since probably, gosh probably 2014 or so and uh he he is very humble in his estimations of his expertise in this area and i will just say that you know he's one of my personal heroes in the faith not just when it comes to this life issue but the way he lives his life and um, as we think about abortion, I want for a moment for us to not think about this as a political issue. Um, I, I believe um, abortion has been politicized to the point where the church can't get its mind around loving alternatives. And so that's, that's where I'll just kind of start the conversation. Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Thank you. Um, she has a table back here, so please stop by tonight and see what they're doing. They have some events coming up, and uh, we want to be a part of supporting the ministry of Piedmont Women's Center. What are you seeing in, I guess, because you, you are meeting families and young ladies who find themselves considering ending the life of a child. That's what you do all, all week long. What are you seeing in culture right now with this issue be outside as you said the sure. political issue sure. just what are you seeing yeah so the church has lost its way and when i talk about the church i'm not talking about crossroads baptist church i'm talking about the big c church when it comes to the subject of abortion i believe the church has lost its way and, and let me kind of preface why i say that um we forget <laughs> that the bible was written to be the most offensive thing ever. Like the gospel is supposed to be offensive. And the church, because we don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, we have stopped offending people. And <clears throat> that's to our detriment because we had rather not offend people and see them go to hell than rather offend people and see them possibly be saved for all eternity 
and that is to the detriment of the church. Now, that's not just about the abortion issue. That's about all these other hot topics that you guys have been covering, and kudos to you guys for having a willingness to do that because so many churches now, they won't do that. They won't give an organization like Piedmont Women's Center uh, an audience because they're afraid we'll say something that may offend. And uh, I'm not that person that runs around saying abortion is murder. Um, I believe that abortion is a sinful act. It is a sinful act. And it does lead to the murder of an unborn child, but it also leads to the destruction of many other souls. And just to explain, and this is why I say the church is complicit in Mm -hmm. abortion, is because 75% of women who choose abortion identify themselves as Christian. And it shouldn't surprise us that dads who are deacons in the local church, um, in order to cover up sin, create more sin. And uh, I was the best kid in the world at doing that. You may have been this kid too. Some yes. of y'all out there are going to understand where I'm going with this And real quickly. Um, man, I was a good storyteller. Um, I never let the truth get in the way of a good story. I was always going to make something bigger. Pastors do that all the time, right? That's, your, that's what they do. That's what they do. Um, but, you know, that's what abortion is, has become in the church. It's, becoming, it's become that lie that covers up another lie that covers up another lie that become, covers up another lie. And abortion brings such shame in the church that people won't even talk about it. And when pastors, here, here's the thing, you guys are covering issues like pornography, drugs, drinking. Um, so many churches don't do that. Because it's a hard, yes, it is a hard topic. And what I realize when I come into a church like yours or really any church is that according to statistics in America, one in three women in America have had an abortion. That, that number doesn't change here in your church, nor does it change at Walmart. Hmm. That number remains the same. Hmm. And when a pastor refuses to talk about an issue like abortion and they will talk about everything else, the woman who has suffered the trauma of abortion and is sitting in his church, what she begins to believe is abortion is such a terrible sin that God couldn't forgive it because my pastor won't even talk about it. And that, I mean, I've never had an abortion. I'm blessed to have avoided that in my lifetime. Um, But I understand grief and loss and pain. I had a miscarriage, um, and, and that brought pain to my heart. But can I tell you that if you've had a miscarriage and you understand that grief and pain and loss, I want you to think about if that miscarriage was your fault. How that would magnify the pain. And that's what we see with women all the time is Mm -hmm. pain magnified through abortion. And the reason I choose not to call abortion murder is because I recognize there are women who are hurting in our church. And they've been left with a feeling of hopelessness and shame and guilt. And let me just tell you, abortion builds walls. It builds walls. It creates walls. It creates walls of shame, fear, regret, anxiety, suicide, depression. I mean, the list could go on and on. And as the church, we have to be willing to say, hey, is is God still not the God of miracles? Is he still not the God of the Bible and at Piedmont Women's Center, we, we just launched something this year because I was sitting one day and just praying like, God, 
why won't these walls fall down? And he was like, because the church hasn't rallied around this issue. <laughs> like mm-hmm. when, the, when the children of Israel walked around the walls of Jericho, y'all remember this story. It's a big one for, for um, Joshua and his leadership. And they walked around that wall silently six times. And the seventh time, they grabbed their shofars, and they blew their shofars, and they had a mighty shout, and the walls fell down. Well, the church has been silent. Like We've been mm-hmm. walking silently around this issue, and it's, I really felt like it was time for us to grab our shofars and blow them mm-hmm. and just say, no more, not on my wall. All these walls that abortion creates, it's time for them to fall down. And this is not a political battle. It's a spiritual battle, right. and we've been fighting it in the wrong place. Mm. <laughs> now, I'm, I'm for, I don't want y'all to hear what I'm not saying, Jack. Mm. I am for all pieces of pro-life legislation. I, I, th- I do think there is uh, some things that we can do to protect the unborn, but to believe that abortion didn't happen before 1973 is incorrect. Mm. To believe that um, the 20-week abortions, because we've said no more in South Carolina, don't happen mm. is incorrect. So what we have to do is we have to do multiple things. We have to fight it on the political level, yes, and there's a group here in South Carolina called the South Carolina Citizens for Life. They do a great job, and over the years you can look and see where pro-life legislation has been created. There has been a decrease in abortion. Um, But what you don't know is there's a lot of abortions we don't even track anymore. For example, (laughs) women who get the RU486 pill the abortion pill, that is not tracked as an abortion. Yeah. Mm -hmm. We'll never know the effects of the morning after pill. The only abortions that are tracked uh, nationwide is the surgical abortions, and many states like California and New York no longer even require those to be tracked. So we will never know um, the number of abortions. What we believe is there are about a million a year surgically, Um, But there are many women who are doing at-home abortions. So the one place you should feel safe is no longer a safe place. Mm -hmm. And that should break our hearts. And it should make us scratch our heads and think, how? How did we get here? Yeah. You you mentioned a couple of things there I want to go back to. Because one one of them I had not even thought of, so thank you. If, If we, though we may believe it, uh, that abortion is wrong and abortion is murder to to not that our belief changes but i think the, the key issue is the way in which we communicate it if we say that or i say that from the pulpit not understanding that there may be someone a lady in the congregation who has, who has done that i'm i'm not pulling her close to the lord i'm pushing her away given your experience what are some communication suggestions or techniques for all of us to stand firm in our belief without ostracizing because to your point one in three ladies in our culture now has been has been through this right and and some women multiple abortions uh because it's like any sin the first time you do it and you get away with it it becomes easier Hmm. um so my my communication, anytime I get the opportunity to speak in front of a church, and, and many of you will never have that opportunity, but you have your circle, right? Your, your circle of influence that each one of you have is when you have that conversation or when the opportunity, and it's not a matter of if it'll come up, but when, right? <laughs> 
this, I thought last year, man, I mean, they were just hammering home this abortion issue. Mm -hmm. And I thought, wow, I mean, this is not how I would want to be publicized, but this is how it's going. But interestingly, I think the best thing to do is if, if you are sensitive to it, people will eventually say something to you. Now, I have a public platform, and people come to me all the time, especially after I speak, and, and they'll want to have that conversation. But the first thing, if you have a conversation with a woman who's had an abortion and ladies in your women's group, um, create a platform for that to happen where people can um, bring something to you. But the most important thing you can do is be compassionate, right? Because at the end of the day, abortion is like any other sin. It's a choice, mm. right? This is, this is where the left lives their life. <laughs> and, and Paul says, while I am permitted to do all things, not all things are mm. beneficial for me. Can y'all say amen? Like yeah. amen. when amen. you eat five donuts at yeah. one time. Yeah. Now that might be permissible, but let me tell you, it's not beneficial. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I've lost the same 10 pounds 150 times. <laughs> I'm, I'm good at the first 10. I'm not so good after that. But, you know, that's a choice, right? It's a choice for me to make. And when we begin to approach abortion as not an issue for us to stand out there and yell and scream what you're doing's wrong. And we greet it as an opportunity of there is hope. It changes everything. Mm -hmm. and, and the last I understood is that Jesus is still the hope of the world. Right. And for everything that we have going wrong in our country and globally, because abortion is not an American issue. Abortion is a global issue. Right. And because it's a global issue, it is only Christ. I mean, this is not a battle we can win. I would say, you know, we've made it really simple with the Jericho Project um, at Piedmont Women's Center. And I was in a group of pastors, and I walked in front of them, uh, and I said, if I told you there were three things that we could do to see an end of abortion as we know it, would you be willing to do those three things? Like, seriously, if there was just three things that we had to do, and they're all like, yeah, absolutely. And I was like, well, it's really this simple. We have to pray to end abortion. And I don't mean like you put it on your prayer request and you think of it in January of every year at Sanctity of Human Life Month. I mean, really battling it out like, God, this is destroying your image and your likeness. And Psalms 139 that you just read, there's, I think it's in the um, New Living Translation. It says, how precious are your thoughts about me, mm, oh God. Mm, mm. This is talking about pre-born you. That's right. This is not talking about the you that is walking around on this planet. He says, how precious are your thoughts about me, oh God. And when the church becomes broken for the fact that his thoughts aren't just precious about those who we like mm. <laughs> and those who are convenient for us, but it's about the inconvenient. It's, we cannot expect the lost to act like the found when we can't even expect the found to act like the found. Yes. I, I honestly believe if we would see the church start acting like the church, like get in your word, memorize scripture, it, dedicate yourself to a life of prayer, we would see this ended. And it wouldn't be a matter of two or three years down the road, like God hears the prayers. And I've been studying through the book of Hebrews and the first two verses in Hebrews chapter one, it says, long ago and many times in many ways, 
God spoke to our ancestors through his prophets. But now, at last, he has sent his son, Jesus. And if we would start acting like people who had been sent his son, Jesus, abortion would be ended. So, you know, pray. You've got to really pray. And later on in chapter 5 of Hebrews, it said that Jesus prayed with great loud cries and wept. And God heard his prayers. And so we're not just told what to do. We're told how to do it. We're told how to pray. Like, we need to be anguished. Like, has God really broken your heart for this issue of abortion? And I can tell you, until about 2012, I didn't think about abortion at all. Somebody came to our church, and they spoke about abortion. And I thought, where have I been? (laughs) And what are my grandkids going to say to me one day? Hmm. What have you done, Kelly? And I really began to pray through the scriptures. And this issue is not about us being pro-life. This is where we get it so wrong. We've got to be pro-Jesus. And when we become pro-Jesus and we believe it all, not just the things that we like to believe or what's convenient, but when we believe it all and we can point to that that Luke story, is one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. I'm glad you shared that today. And we think about one, two, three, four-week-old Jesus. And we think about John and their relationship. And then it said the Holy Spirit broke through Elizabeth, Mm -hmm. meaning this was not a fleshly issue. It's a spiritual issue. And we can't fight a fleshly or a spiritual battle in the flesh. We're told we can't do that. Yeah. And um, I just think that prayer, like really praying. The other thing you can do, uh, we have at Piedmont Women's Center, and, and uh, we have an office in Greer and uh, on Grove Road, in Grove Road on Greenville. Um, we have a prayer text community. You can go to our website and sign up for that. But you'll get a text every time we have a client walk in our doors who is abortion-minded. Mm. Like she's come in. She thinks she's at the abortion clinic, which is our strategy. We're across from the abortion clinic on Grove Road. She'll come into our clinic. We'll send you a text and say, pray right now. Because we know that's where it's won. Like the battle is not won in the flesh. None of us are that good. We do not have professional counselors. They're all lay people on our team. None of us is that good. None of us is that smart. But the Holy Spirit, man, he can move on our behalf. And I'm just crazy enough to believe it. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. This is because it's not a spiritual battle. Yeah. That's where we get abortion wrong. You you said uh, also uh, just when you think about a, a, abortion or being against abortion, there's so much more to being pro-life. Absolutely. So as one of the pastors here and for our church, if you had the mic and you do, yeah. and you could say to believers, there's more than picketing. Planned Parenthood, right. there's more than doing the things that we see people who say I'm pro-life right. do. Right. It's the stuff that you do the rest right. of the week right. that nobody else wants to do. Yes, right. What could we as lay people in our respective environments Man. do to be pro-life beyond just yeah. saying pro-life or voting for the person who's pro-life? Right. What could we do to live as Christians with this pro-life yeah, mindset? So, so pray would be the first thing. The second thing would be to serve. Um, and I think that this is the inconvenient thing because your time, how many of y'all like your time's really valuable? Like my time is valuable. Um, I have a teenager. She's getting ready to graduate high school. She's going off to college. We're building a house. I mean, I got a busy life. Um, but let me tell you, there's nothing like service to the Lord. And, um, so the second part of the tearing down the walls that abortion creates is really to, to 
to really get out there and serve. So at Piedmont Women's Center, um, we have people who serve kind of Monday through Friday, once a week, three to four hours a week. Um, and you'll go through some training. It's really, it's not rocket science. It just takes a willingness to be willing. And I think that sometimes the church is just not willing. Like, I meet so many people. Uh, they want to come into Piedmont Women's Center. They want to serve. They've never even shared their testimony. So it's hard to tell others about Christ when you haven't even formed. So we kind of walk three people through, you know, how to do ministry with a pregnancy client, um, what that looks like. Um, we have some video-based training, and then there's one-on-one -on -one training. Um, so one-on-one -on -one client interaction, that's one way to serve. Another way to serve is we have a call center um, at Piedmont Women's Center. Um, it's our first impressions of first impressions. Uh, and we have one employee. <laughs> and a bunch of volunteers who operate that call center for us. Um, we served last year at Piedmont Women's Center almost 3,000 clients. We had uh, 5,000 appointments. Since we opened our doors in 1991, we just celebrated 30 years of service. Since we opened our doors, we've seen like 89,000 clients in 30 years. And here's what I want you to know. We've got the largest staff we've ever had, and we have eight full-time people. Um, we've got about eight part-timers. <laughs> And wow. we serve that many people. Let me just tell you, it's not us. Mm. It's you. It's churches just like yours who are stepping in and making a difference. Um, and the other thing we have is fundraising events. That's another great, easy entry to serve. we got one coming up here in just a few weeks, our 5K. We've got another one Jack's going to MC for us called Night for Life. That's in September. Um, so those are great ways to connect and serve. But really serving, mm. I can't over-communicate. We have about 150 volunteers who serve on the regular basis, and you might think, oh, I work Monday through for Friday. Well, we are open Saturday at our Grove Road office because that's the abortion clinic is open, and Saturday, Friday and Saturday are the two top abortion days in America, and so um, we're just so happy to be able to be there, and, um, you know, we're, we're blessed in South Carolina. We currently have a pro-life governor, and we've got pro-life senators, and we've got pro-life mm. people in the House. But let me tell you, that may not always be the case. And it's going to take you. It's going to take you. It's going to take me. And um, we're going to have to be willing just to step out of our comfort zone. It is so uncomfortable. Can I just tell you, they don't let me in the counseling room anymore. I have, I have served my last day there. I am a really good talker, not a very good listener. And I have people all the time to say, oh, well, I could never do what you do. Well, I'm not asking you to. <laughs> I'm asking you to do what I don't do, which is listen to what people have to say. And sometimes people just need that person that they can trust. I, I, want, I want to ask you too, and, and I know this may be a difficult question, but I know before I got into helping pregnancy centers over the years, I had a stereotype of who I thought the abortion-minded young lady was. Sure. Uh, and really, there's, there's not one. Um, there may be some common characteristics, but could you, for, for those like myself 10, 12 years ago that didn't know, could you paint a picture, obviously, without revealing yeah. things you can't say, yeah. but the, what's the average person that comes in? Because I yeah. think sometimes we think, well, they're from that side of the tracks, <laughs> And, they're lo and some of them are right. low socioeconomic level, but they're f just 
maybe maybe share with us a little bit about that. Yeah, so the average age of the client we serve at Piedmont Women's Center, and I think this is probably a nationwide statistics, has actually trended upwards over the last five or ten years. Used to be, we used to say between the ages of 15 and 20, but now it's really gone to more like 15 and 25, and I think it's even going to bump up. I think the mm -hmm. next time we run this st statistic, we're going to see this closer to 30, because what we're seeing now is... Um, it's not just the high schooler. It's not just the college student. It's not just the single person. It's a working professional who has um, really laid it all out there for her career, and maybe even she's married. Uh, we see that a lot of times, um, women who are married who choose abortion. Um, so it, it is not just a picture of it's not just a snapshot of what you would think. It's not just the underprivileged. You know, Jesus said the poor will always be with you. But he wasn't just talking about the financially poor. I would say the thing that every person who comes in a, to us has in common is that they are poor. They are poor in spirit. Um, they are poor in self-image. Mm -hmm. They are poor in self-esteem. Um, they are poor in support, meaning that maybe they, they don't have the support that they need, or they're poor in humility. Mm. Like we're prideful people, you know, we are prideful people. And sin is a way that we manifest our pride, right? right. It's the lack of humility that leads us to sin. And I just feel like as a believer, like getting so connected to others and understanding their sin, it should break our heart. Sin should break our heart. When's the last time you wept over sin in your own life? When's the last time you really looked to the Father and said, I can no longer bear what I've done? And I think the longer we walk with Christ, the harder sin is to um, recognize in our own life. You know, we put, back, we put away the big three, mm -hmm. but then we fail to go back and read Matthew 5, 6, and 7, <laughs> which points out the fact that, you know, even to just think wrongly about mm -hmm. someone is a mm -hmm. sin. Um, and I feel like if the church would be broken for our sin and we would not expect, and I can't overstate this, we expect the lost to act like the found. And we, we talk bad about what they're doing. You know what? They don't know any better. And we know better and yeah. we're still doing wrong. Mm -hmm. And Paul, like our hero in the faith, Paul, mm -hmm. he said, what I don't want to do, I do. And what I know I should do, I don't. And I would say if we all looked in the mirror, we could identify with that. And so, you know, that's... Hmm. What's... Um, I'm not uh, sure I really answered your question, no, that, but I, that, I talked a lot. No, so. that was good. That was good. <laughs> and I was passionate I, I, about I, it. I just think there are a lot, and, and, and you know, I know this in limit, limited form from what I've done again with pregnancy centers, but I know there are a lot of different kinds of people who walk in the door. And, right. and some, I mean, you, you've shared some of these stories with me too over the years that some are uppity-ups, million-dollar-a-year mm -hmm. people that right. come in and they're, like you said, their career has been interrupted because they found out they were pregnant and they don't want to have the baby. Mm -hmm. There's that into the, there's, there's all kinds of situations. Yeah. You've got socioeconomic issues. I think if I can just share with you what happened during the pandemic, I think that will help you understand. So I, I think that, you know, even in the church, we didn't know what was happening. Um, we had our event for Piedmont Women's Center on March 4th of 2020, our big event. Um, the next Monday, I had surgery on my foot. 
I got out of surgery from my foot. We were driving home, and we're hearing all this stuff about places closing down, like they shut down California. And we get home, and I'm home for like three days. I'm like in a total state of not knowing where I am, and I'm getting calls from work. What are we doing? What are we doing? What are we doing? And I'm like, well, this shouldn't even be a question. <laughs> we're staying open. I mean, this is not a question. And we, we just talked about it and thought about it, and there were so many people because of the fear. Like, we had fear. Let, let's not lie, right? Let's not say, oh, I was never scared of corona. Let me tell you, I, I was that girl, man. Initially, I was putting on gloves at the gas pump. I had gloves, Clorox wipes, and masks in my purse, in, in, in Ziploc bags, right? Because I'm going back and forth to work every day, and I'm scared as a believer. Now, here's what I know. If I die, I'm going to meet Jesus. If I live, I'm going to serve him, and I'm scared. So imagine for just a moment that woman who doesn't know Jesus or doesn't have the hope of Christ, Hmm. and she's facing a pregnancy. This is not an unwanted pregnancy, maybe even, but she's just facing pregnancy in the pandemic. Maybe she and her husband both. There was two um, people who came in our clinic. They were servers at a restaurant, and they had both just lost their jobs, and she found out she's pregnant. And they're like, we don't think we can do this. You know, it's our privilege to come alongside you and say, yes, Mm -hmm. you can. You can. Don't believe that lie. God is faithful, and he will show you a way. And um, like I said, we stayed open. Many of our pregnancy centers around the country had to close because they didn't have PPE. We were so blessed. Like, we are a pregnancy medical clinic. We do more than the pregnancy testing and ultrasounds. We do pap smears. We do full women's health. We do STD testing and treatment. So we had already had all of our PPE because we needed it for those other things. Mm -hmm. And when we would start to get low, we would just send out word in the community. I cannot tell you all how many church ladies... Um, brought us masks that they had sewed on their home sewing machine so we could stay open. That's, That's the awesome. faithfulness yeah. of the body That's of Christ. Awesome. And there are two two girls who we know for a fact, two girls. And the reason we know that they came in the pandemic and that they chose life is one of them actually came in the office about four weeks ago, and she um, brought her little baby in, and we weren't sure what she was going to do. She came to us thinking she was at the abortion clinic, and we had to tell her the truth. We do not provide, refer, or recommend for abortion. Uh, but if you're willing to give us some of your time, here's what we do provide. And so she stayed, and we talked to her. And, uh, you know, like I said, none of us is that good. Um, none of us is that smart. But the Holy Spirit lives in us, which gives us divine power. And she stayed, and she listened, and she left. Mm. And we had no idea what her decision for life was going to be. Tried to call her, tried to text her, tried to email her. No communication back, which usually equals abortion. Mm -hmm. And so she walks in the door, and she's carrying this little three-month-old. And she stops at the front desk, and she said, I just wanted to come by and say thank you. Um, And I can't imagine my life without her. Like, I just can't imagine Mm -hmm. my life without her. And I was in a church, and I shared this story. And a lady came up to me, and she said, 17 years ago, Piedmont Women's Center served me, and I can't imagine my life without my son. Now, that's generations of change, right? Well, then I get an email last Friday, and the top of it says, a story to jumpstart your weekend. I'm like, okay, (laughs) let's see what Friday holds for us. And this was a lady who had um, come to us knowing that she was at Piedmont Women's Center, understanding who we were and what we did, and she sat in the parking lot and cried. 
because she's facing this pregnancy, and she had already made up her mind if she was nine weeks pregnant or less, she was going to go across the street and get the abortion pill because she did not want to do it after nine Mm -hmm. weeks because of some things that she had read. So she came in. We did the pregnancy test. She talked to a counselor. We were able to provide the ultrasound that day, nine weeks and one day pregnant. Nine weeks and one day. And like I said, God is able, right? Like, we didn't know this side of her story until she called us back. Mm -hmm. Like, we didn't know this sitting in the room with her. We didn't know it sitting in front of the ultrasound machine, but God knew. That's right. Right? God is able. Mm -hmm. And I just think about, she's like, her her comment, too, is I can't imagine my life without my little boy. I just can't imagine. And if you can get people to slow down their decision-making process and to turn what they view as a challenge into a change... That's, that's, that's how quick it goes, right? From a challenge to a change. All of us face opportunities for growth and change in our life. And a lot of times we view those as obstacles instead of opportunities. And when we talk to women, that's what we try to do is really turn that for them mm. and help them understand, you know, this may be unexpected for you. But from the beginning of time, God was thinking precious thoughts about your little one. That's right. right? That's right. He was doing that for you. And we want to help you. And, and we do a lot more than just provide medical screening and testing. We have a partnership with Miracle Hill, another great uh, organization here in Greenville. And they can go and shop at Mir- Miracle Hill. We give them vouchers. They can mm-hmm. go get maternity clothing, things for their baby. Um, we have a bundle of joy that we provide for our clients. And that's something they get right before the baby is born. It's about $250 worth of items in a, a bag. It's like a, I call it a baby shower in a bag. We do that for our clients. The other thing we do is we have a parenting program now. Piedmont Women's Center, we didn't have the opportunity to do this when we were so limited on space. and Because we went from 1,200 square feet to 8,000 square feet. Yeah. And so we had this opportunity to just blow the doors off our ministry, and it's been amazing. And so we have a new parenting program that we're doing. And so they complete 10 classes. It's called the E3 Parenting Program, Educate, Equip, and Empower. That's what we always want to do with our clients, our staff, our volunteers, our donors, is just really work in those three quadrants of educating, equipping, and empowering. And so they complete that program. They get their choice of a month's supply of diapers, um, a car seat, or a pack-and-play. But they got to complete all 10 classes. they got to do their homework. they got to be accountable. And then the latest program we've just launched, a new initiative, is called The Bridge. We had over 200 women give their lives to Christ last year inside the walls of Piedmont Women's Center. But you know me. You've been knowing me for a while. That is not enough for me. (laughs) When I got saved, I grew up in church. Mom and Dad took us every day. It felt like it was only three times a week. But it felt like I was there every day. And my sister, I, under, I totally identify with James. It's one of my favorite books in the Bible because my sister walked on water as a child, and I couldn't get out of my own way. And, you know, I just understood what it would be to walk behind somebody perfect. And my sister, she, she laughs about that. She would beg me. She'd say, Kelly, can't you see you're about to get a spanking? And she would just cry and beg me to be good. I'd be like, I don't care. I don't care. You know, five years younger, I was just trying to make a statement. And um, it's so funny because... I came to know Christ as an adult. I was in my mid-20s, and I met somebody, and she asked me, she said, who is Jesus to you? I think it's the most incredible question that any of us can ever be asked. And I was like, well, he's the son of God. She's like, okay. <laughs> what else do you have? I'm like, 
He's the son of God. She's like, so you've gone to church all these years, and you walked out of there with, he's the son of God. I said, yes. She said, well, you know, even the demons will say that. They'll even acknowledge that. So she sat there for about 15 minutes and told me who Jesus was to her. And I remember just thinking, I don't know if she's crazy or if she's right. But, man, I hope she's right. (laughs) Because if she's right, there's hope for me. We see those decisions all the time at Piedmont Women's Center, but we are the emergency room, right? We don't have that. This lady who led me to Jesus, she walked with me for two years. We did street ministry in Washington, D.C. We, I mean, every time she went to church, I went to church. I was just hungry after the gospel. We don't have that opportunity at Piedmont Women's Center because we've got that next abortion-minded woman coming through. So what we need the local church to partner with us is something that we're calling the bridge. So it's an eight-week discipleship program that we bring our clients through. It's one-on-one. It's a very intense program because a lot of them don't know Old Testament, New Testament. They don't know what that means. They don't don't have any kind of scripture banking. Mm -hmm. So for them to walk into a church like yours would be totally intimidating. So we take them through this eight-week class, and what we would do is ask someone from your church if she lives in this area, to come and meet with her the last two weeks, weeks six and seven, or no, I'm sorry, seven and eight. And uh, that means that you have her name, you have her number, and you can check on her. You can do what the church is supposed to do. You can disciple her, right? You can intentionally breathe life into her. And we actually thought nobody's going to join this program. This is, this is like hard. We've got, we started this program like three or four weeks ago. We got 11 people in it. And the cool part about this is we give them an ESV study Bible. We give them some scripture memory cards, highlighters, a journal, and we walk down this road with them. But we need churches like yours to intercept them when they're done. And the only thing we ask that you guys do to be a part of the bridge program is that you um, create a group inside your church that walks them, walks through the Making Life Disciples, which is a great six-week video-based curriculum. It just talks to you a little bit about our clients and how they're different than other people. And then y'all become a referral source for us. And I just think it's going to, I think it's going to (laughs) explode and I hope we're ready. (laughs) So that's a little scary. No, that's, that's great. You, you you answered a couple of questions I was going to ask. And the last, the last thing you said was one of those, because what I love about what (laughs) Kelly and the team do there, talking the young lady out of abortion to having the child is the first step. There's all these other steps of training up the guy if he'll stick around right. to be a good dad for the mom who maybe didn't doesn't know how to be a mom to be a mom parenting skills all those things that you guys do afterwards and then finding a church the spiritual right. part of the equation which is obviously very important if not most important for them to plug into so if you have anybody around in this area right. we will find some people maybe somebody will volunteer and come talk to you tonight yep. to say hey I will yeah. I will. I will help. Yeah. What have I stuff. not? What have I not asked you that you? Oh, be that the you church. Want to, want to share? I guess my encouragement to you guys on the way out the door was be the church. You know, the lady who led me to the Lord, Levon, was so different than anybody I had ever met. Hmm. That, like I said, it created something in me that welled up that said, "Oh my gosh, I hope she's right. I hope she's right." Because I was in a very hopeless place in my life. I mean, I I lived a life before I met Jesus. And I needed, I needed hope in my life. I need restoration in my life. And one person 
intentionally living for Christ. And it changed my life. I wouldn't be the person I am today without her. And she, she was hard on me. Like, she was not easy on me. I mean, she, she said, let me see your dog tags. It says Baptist, you know. I was like, she's like, Baptist ain't going to get you saved. Jesus will. And right. so I, I just think that, you know, I, every time, our, when I was young, every time the pastor would preach on hell and pre, preach on hell, we, we don't do enough of that anymore. We, we've kind of got lost up into grace a little bit. Uh, and grace is great. It's by grace you've been saved through faith and not for your works alone. Um, but, man, hell's a real place, and people are really going there. That's right. And when the church is the church, and we talk about hell, and it becomes unattractive, I mean, every time. I'll never forget Pastor Bobby Armour. He would preach on hell. I'd get scared. I'd run to the front. I'd get saved. I'd get baptized. I mean, there's a picture of me, I think, every three years getting baptized. I, and, and I was a kid who needed to get baptized. But, I mean, I still didn't know Jesus. Like, I understood the concept of hell, but I did not have Christ in my heart. God hadn't finished writing my story. And I think that we have to be attractive in this world where there is so much unattractiveness, where there is so much condemnation, where there is so much hate, where there's so much fear, what we need is love. And our saying at, at, amongst our board and staff at um, Piedmont Women's Center is the standard is love. And when I, right before I got saved, LaVon challenged me to read the book of 1 John. Hmm. And I would get to 1 John 4, verse 9 through 11. And I... I couldn't go any further. I'd just start weeping. And that passage is really simple. It says, this is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as the atoning sacrifice for our sin. And if God loves us so much, surely we ought to love one another. And I was broken because I didn't love anybody but myself. And the scripture had revealed that to me. And at Piedmont Women's Center, whether you get involved as a prayer partner, whether you get involved as serving, maybe you become a, a monthly giving partner for $20.21 a month. That's not an accident, by the way, 2021. We've rounded up a little bit. But for 2021 a month, you can provide a client appointment for us. That's, that's a very small amount. And, and what we recognize is, you know, those big gifts that you get, those are amazing but there's something about having you guys remember us and what you do. And, I mean, that's a cup of I'm It's not even a cup of coffee anymore a week. Um, mm-hmm. But just be thinking and praying about how you can partner. And, and, and maybe if Piedmont Women's Center is not the right fit for you, maybe, you know, there's CPC in Spartanburg. In the state of South Carolina, there's three abortion clinics, and there's 26 pregnancy help organizations. We will win. Mm. <laughs> I mean, let me, let me be clear. We will win this battle. And I hope mm. I'm still around to see that abortion clinic on Grove Road close because I've got plans for that mm. land. Yeah. Wouldn't it be yeah. awesome? Amen. Like, Amen. Wouldn't, I mean, right. I can see it. We're going to have South Carolina Memorial for the unborn right yeah. there. That's Why right. not? And, and right. people say, Kelly, it's not going to happen in this political climate. Well, isn't that just like God? Yeah. Does That's he right. do things when it's convenient or does he do them when it's inconvenient and when we can't take credit for it? That's my God. That's, That's when right. he does stuff. That's right. So um, we'd love to have you guys join us in what God's doing at Piedmont Women's Center.
Thank you. Thank you, Kelly. Can we give Kelly a hand? No. Oh, you're good. You're good. I'm going to ask you to go back there. And if you want to stop and say hello to, to her or uh, sign up for anything, uh, they have their walk coming up. And, uh, and there's a prayer card. So if you want to find out more, uh, I wish I knew as much as she does about all that issue. Uh, and and our, our heart as a church, as she said, to be able to, uh, especially for the 200 plus that have come to know Christ through their doors, if they get sent home and they don't get plugged in anywhere, it's not good. So we have a great opportunity to, to, reach, to reach them. So we're going to pray for you and, and uh, your ministry. So let's pray for, for Kelly. And by the way, her husband's back there, Tom, as well. So make sure you say hello to him. Lord, thank you for tonight. I thank you for Kelly and the ministry of Piedmont Women's Center. Uh, thank you that there is so much more to being pro-life than just uh, being against abortion. There's a lot of work, a lot of sweat, a lot of tears, a lot of energy. Uh, and I thank you for her and her team. Uh, Lord, would you teach me, would you teach us as a church what we can do uh, to help uh, those uh, people, those young ladies, older ladies, families, men who have faced this issue. Uh, and, and it is a spiritual issue. It is a spiritual issue. So help us, Jesus, to be the church that you want us to be. And again, we thank you for them their team, and the ministry that they have. Would you bless them, Lord? I, I pray that you would bless them with volunteers that they need to serve these young ladies and families, with the finances that they need, with the prayer support that they need. Um, Lord, thank you that you've been doing that even during this crazy year. We pray that you would continue to. Bless our time tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for coming. Please make sure you say hello. And if you feel led to get involved with them tonight, uh, let her know how you can, how you can serve. All right? Thank you all.